Hello, and welcome to another episode of Podcast on Podcasting, where we hope to inspire you to create and grow your own corporate podcast from tips from the pros. It's uh, Neil and Zoe here again. So today we are in an interesting time with today's rising health concerns, and I think many business leaders are finding private podcasts to be a great medium and a great helper to communicate change during a crisis. In this episode, we are joined by one of our customers in the healthcare space, Heather Hodges from Encompass Health. And I think it's fair to say that Heather's podcasting program is proof of the idea that through private podcasting, you don't have to let COVID restrictions get in the way of keeping your employees engaged, informed, and entertained. So Heather, thank you so much for being here today. I hope you're having a good Tuesday. Thank you so much for having me, Zoe. Yes, Tuesday is going great so far. <laughs> Good. So I think to get us started and just give our listeners some background, how about first off, you just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do over at Encompass Health. You bet. So I am the Vice President of Professional Development, which means that I help everybody get better at their leadership, at their professionalism, help them grow in their careers. And you asked about my background. So my background is multifaceted. I have a background in psychology. I was a therapist for many years. I have a doctorate in communication. So I'm also a professional speaker, a coach. I do a lot of our public speaking, as well as our education here for Encompass Health. Awesome. So what led Encompass to private podcasting? Tell me what were your most important needs going in or what pain points were you trying to solve when it came time to look at private podcasting within your company? Encompass Health has two different sectors. We have a hospital side and we have a home health and hospice and private duty side, so the home care side. And I'm with the home care side. And 80% or maybe 85%, I don't know the exact number right now, of our workforce are mobile. So they are deployed every day to go make visits into our patients' homes. So they're in their cars, they are driving from patient to patient, or our sales force is going from referral source to referral source, hospital to hospital, getting those referrals. And so we have this mobile workforce. And as I love our podcast, Myself, coming into Encompass Health two years ago, I took a look at what was going on and thought, well, this would be a great medium to reach our mobile workforce. So the pain point, as you put it, was communication, employee engagement, entertainment, and delighting our employees as well by telling stories and keeping us all connected. And of course, more recently, the pain point is COVID communication, that we have to get information out as quickly as possible. And the podcast medium offers this creative solution that is quick, it's easy, we can record it, we can edit it, we can get it sent out and dropped into the new studio app on all of our clinicians and our salespeople's phones, our employee workforce, almost instantly. And so that has just been a lifesaver these last almost three months now that we've been living with COVID. But it's started about a year ago just with looking for a new communication avenue and a new way to connect our employees who are dispersed and deployed all over the country. 
So before this, how were you communicating with your employees? We are an email company. So lots and lots of, lots and lots of emails. Of course, we also create videos and webinars. And so those are other avenues for communication. And while webinars can be quick and instant, videos are high production. And so they take a little bit longer to create and produce and curate and make sure that they are vetted properly before they go out. And that's, you know, that's one of the reasons why the podcast medium is so great because it's so easy to record, produce, edit, and drop it. Yeah. And I'm sure going back to what you're saying about these COVID shows or shows that I'm sure cover sensitive topics, I think with podcasting, you know, employees can clearly hear not only the words, but the tone that you are saying them in, which is often more important when trying to convey compassion or give messages during times of a crisis that we are in today. So I think that's very interesting. And I'm interested in this in this COVID show, can you tell us a little bit more about, about it and the types of messages you are sharing throughout the episodes? Oh, you bet. We kind of stumbled upon it organically in that we knew that we needed to get information out. And I had, we used to be on a six-week podcast schedule where we would record and edit and have them lined up six weeks in advance, ready to drop. Then all of a sudden, COVID hit, and we needed information instantly. So therefore, many of our folks in marketing and our other home office people were redeployed to do other jobs because we were, it was all hands on deck. And so I'm sitting here left with this podcast thing and not knowing anything about recording or producing or the editing part of it. I can sit behind a mic and talk all day, but the other, the technical aspect of it was foreign to me. So I had to cross train. One of our marketing folks cross trained me on how to do that. So we were able to instantly start recording and editing and publishing it even within the same day if we needed to, because we needed information and quickly. We needed to know where is our PPE, you know, our personal protective equipment. What branch has extra masks that we can send to another branch? How are we donning and doffing all of this this PPE to be safe when we're going into suspected COVID positive patients' homes? And other information that we needed to get out to our workforce quickly, the COVID podcast just kind of started to organically grow to the point where like, okay, now we're going to be doing COVID-19 podcasts at least once a week in addition to our leadership development and our clinical podcasts and our sales podcasts. And so one of the things that's been super helpful recently is I've done a series of interviews with folks on the ground, our regional vice president who are all over the country, you know, from, from coast to coast and border to border. We have branches and clinicians and salespeople working across the country. And so I started interviewing a regional vice president in Idaho and then one in Massachusetts and then Florida and then Alabama and then Arizona and think what's going on around the country. What can we learn from each other? What is happening? And then one of the things that I found fascinating was we started telling stories, how our workforce is rising to the challenge of COVID because this has been hard for healthcare. And it has been so wonderful to hear how clinicians in Massachusetts are rising up and helping their communities 
and then how the sales force in Idaho is tackling a difficult challenge and what we can learn from each other. But I think that even more than what we can learn from each other, I think how we have supported each other. And even though we've been dispersed, maybe working from home or working isolated, not being able to go into the branch because we aren't having case conference now because of social distancing, we're not alone. And you can hear from your leaders. You can hear from each other and be supported by each other through podcasting. I agree. And even just like the idea of you want your company culture to remain strong, you want to keep that positivity, especially throughout difficult times. And podcasting is a lot easier to do that, I think, than through these text-driven mediums like email. Heather, could you talk a little bit about the feedback you're getting about getting clear messaging from the leaders of your company to the employees as they are dispersed? There's so much communication externally on your CNN or your radio, every other podcast and what have you. To be able to have a direct line of communication that is consistent, that isn't open necessarily for interpretation at the written level and what have you from your from your leadership, I think would be very encouraging and also valuable to the employees at large. I'm wondering if that's the feedback you're getting. It is. And you're absolutely right that when you can hear directly from your CEO or from your president or your your top clinical person in the company, this is what's going on. This is where we're getting PPE. These are our strategies. This is where we are going forward. Dispelling myths of what might have been going on early on with COVID. It was priceless to be able to have those voices give us that information through podcasting. We've heard that theme from other clients as well. I, I think it's it's so interesting and so so valuable to be able to have that clear, consistent message internally to break through all that outside in. You can now kind of make sure that everyone is getting the, the straight, clear information inside out. Absolutely. And you nailed it. It's got to be clear. It has to be concise and dispel any rumors or any double talk or anything that's going on that we need to like, okay, correct. <laughs> You're going to hear it directly from executive level leaders in the company. I'm interested if you would speak about how building or managing content has changed when it comes to a show that's maybe a crisis show versus before all this happened. I know that you have been a customer of ours previously since before COVID-19 and how you managed your content before now has probably, it might look different. You know, you said that it's a great medium to get information out fast. So maybe you are producing shows a lot quicker than you used to and how maybe your strategy behind that has changed or if there's new things you need to keep track of as a result. Mm -hmm. Before COVID, we met as a team. We collaborated on the content, we on our different channels, if it was sales, if it was clinical, if it was operations, if it was health and wellness, professional development, and we would map that out. Also looking at the calendar, you know, like right now it's nurses month, it's also stroke month, and making sure that we had content related to that. And while that went away quickly in March and half of April, because we were responding more than we were planning, it's coming back a little bit in that I'm not going day to day on the podcasting now. I'm looking two weeks out. Like, what does our workforce need to hear two weeks, three weeks from now? Whereas before it was six weeks out. 
So it's been on a cycle from super duper planning. We have the calendar. We're great to go. We have all this different content to responding to the immediate needs of COVID. Now we're kind of coming out of that just a little bit to starting to anticipate what our listenership needs to hear. Things like how do you maintain your health and wellness and reduce stress during COVID? Even though we are in a healthcare business, a lot of our clinicians neglect their own health because they're taking care of somebody else all the time and they're on the go. How do you eat healthy when you're in the car most of your day? So things like that. Professional development. We know that leadership can grow exponentially during a crisis. And we see leaders rise during a crisis like like COVID or like during war. But how do I, through the podcast, offer those opportunities to people to be listening to, in addition to continuing to get out the COVID communications that, that we need to do? So we're starting to think through some of that. While it's abbreviated from six weeks now where we went down to one or two days, now we're back out to one to two weeks at a time thinking about that. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And I I love the idea of these mental health podcasts. I think people who are new to the medium might think that there are strict use cases for how you can utilize something like this. And really you can have a private podcast about just about anything, no matter how hard the message might be. So you touched on this a little, but do you have any advice for someone who who does this regularly, any advice for communicating those hard messages? And when it comes to storytelling, you know, what are those things to keep in mind to to make sure it's engaging and your compassion comes through and things like that? So there's there's two parts to your question. How do you deliver hard messages? And then how do you also deliver authentic story? Yes. <laughs> and, I, and I think the answer to both of those questions is just that, to be real and to be authentic. Delivering hard messages, people can handle hard information when you tell it to them straight. We can absorb and process difficult messages, difficult communication as long as it's given to us clearly and without any pretense, without hiding. And so I think delivering hard messages, just give it to people straight and be authentic with that. And if you are delivering hard message, let people know this is hard for me to deliver right now. This is hard for me to say, yeah. but I'm going to do it anyway. And there's that identity with the person that you are receiving that information from. There's You build trust by that. And the same thing with storytelling. The, one of the number one rules of storytelling is it needs to be true. Now, we can tell parables. We can tell anecdotes and learn something from those. And there's truth in them. When you're telling a story about something that's going on in your company, you're telling a story about, and you've, you've listened to the FaceTime for Nana, the iPad for Nana story. That was a true story that really happened. So when you're telling a story, it needs to be true, or you need to also let your listeners know this is a parable or this is an anecdote. Or like once upon a time, there was a guy named Neil Garrett and he was sitting in his home (laughs) office and recording a podcast one day. And guess what happened? You know, that, that sort of thing. So authenticity and truth and trustworthiness. Yeah. We actually recorded a podcast last week and I asked a similar question and the term being authentic 
came up just last week as well. So I think that's really important for those. I don't know if you're, if you're able to talk about this, but if you are, I'd I'd love for you to explain the FaceTime for Nana story, because I think it's such a cool episode that you were able to produce for your employees. I'm happy to tell you about it. It brought tears to my eyes when I heard about it. And it was just so compelling and it inspired so many other people to do good as well. One of our clinicians up in the Northeast was just heartbroken early on during COVID when the nursing homes were shutting down and not letting visitors come in. And, you know, you've seen the pictures of family members standing outside of the nursing home and putting their hand on the glass and they're communicating through the, through the window because they're not allowed in to see their loved one. Well, she had a bright idea. And she went home and started a fundraiser. She didn't even know how to do it, but she figured it out. She accidentally launched it. She thought she was just saving it, and she launched it instead. And she was going to raise $600 to buy an iPad so that the sweet people in that nursing home could FaceTime with their loved ones. So obviously, they would need a younger person, so maybe a, a helper or a nurse to sit with them and FaceTime their loved one. And then they would clean it, and then they would go to the next patient, and they could FaceTime with their loved one. Well, the goal was to raise $600, and by morning, that had already happened. I think they raised $1,200 by that morning, and so they bought two iPads and delivered them to two different nursing homes, and then by that Friday, I think they had raised enough to buy 20 iPads, and so they were going, they were driving to the next town to deliver iPads to nursing homes so that other sweet patients could FaceTime with their loved ones. And that just sparked generosity and just acts of kindness all over the country. It was picked up by the news. I did it on the podcast. They put it in the local paper. And it was just fascinating to see how that one act of kindness, that one story, sparked so many other stories. I love that. Yeah. And it's so, I feel like it it brings a positive light to a time like this. And it's motivating for Encompass employees across the country to hear something like that, you know, positivity spreads. And it's just a great example of a unique way that podcasting can be used to increase engagement throughout the company and get get people talking and and loving on each other. (laughs) So I guess going back a little, I'm interested in hearing about if there were any roadblocks you had to overcome over at encompass in order to deploy podcasting. I know that originally there were concerns and you guys did some some test demos and things like that. So I, I'd love to hear you talk through that process and just hear if your experience is similar to anyone else's out there and resonates with maybe any of our listeners about what roadblocks you overcame. Mm-hmm. Well, the first one was security. And that was the no from leadership to podcasting always came down to security. Well, we have proprietary information. We don't want to share the with, with the world. Podcasting is to the world. And that's where we found U Studio and started exploring the, the secure and encrypted aspect of having only our employees on the podcast. So when we found that, that you know that eliminated that roadblock. And then another obstacle that we've had to overcome, it's more like speed bump, really, has just been the adoption of podcasting among people who don't normally listen to podcasts. I told you earlier, I've, I've loved podcasts for years. I, I love the medium. I 
I listen to, gosh, it's almost embarrassing, probably 10, 12 podcasts a day, working out, driving, folding laundry, whatever. It's great to always have a podcast going or an audiobook. So I, I love this medium. But many of our clinicians are an older population where podcasting is not normal to them. And so having to introduce them to this new medium and, and get that adoption of this new medium has been challenging and continues to be challenging, especially for our clinicians. Now, whereas our, our sales force are generally younger, they are at least Gen Xers or, or millennials or, or younger and regular podcast listeners already. And so it was an easy adoption for those folks. And so those were kind of the two initial hurdles and one that we're still overcoming and learning how to help people become accustomed and become addicted to listening to a podcast the, the way those of us who love podcasts are. And so what have you learned as far as getting those clinicians engaged? Does it help to have a reliable release cadence? Or are there types of shows that they seem to engage with more than others? Or have you learned any tips like that along the way? Mm-hmm. Several lessons that we've learned. The release cadence, the more often you release, more likely they are to, to listen, or they kind of get out of the habit. If you only drop them one podcast a week, it's easy to forget, and then you got to get caught up, and then it, maybe it's old information. That's something that, that we have learned. We're releasing three podcasts a week. This week, because we have a holiday week, it was going to be Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, and normally it would be Monday, Wednesday, Friday for dropping those podcasts. I've also learned that certain topics get people's attention. Anything that is, remember, people are always thinking, what's in it for me? The whiffum. <laughs> and if you can give them the whiffum, they are going to tune in. So podcasts on health and wellness, podcasts on stress reduction, podcasts on clinical information or sales tips, things that will help them do their job better are always very popular. And when we have a spike in listenership, it is always around a particular personality here at our home office in Dallas. So when I have this gentleman on, I can just count on my podcast. <laughs> it's going to go up threefold just because he's on, because people love, love him and they love listening to him. That's fun. And I'm, I'm sure they love being involved in the program as well and getting the opportunity to talk to their peers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> If he's listening, he knows who he is. (laughs) So you said that 85% of your workforce is a mobile workforce. So what what does your podcast audience look like in addition to that? I mean, how many states do you cover? How many podcast users do you have currently, if you don't mind me asking? Just what are other demographic trends that, that we should know about Encompass in order to maybe compare your story to someone else's? So we are in 33 states across the country. And besides the mobile workforce, our other workers are in office settings. Some of them are home right now. Some of them were were trickling back into the, the office with lots of PPE and social distancing and Clorox wipes and disinfectants (laughs) everywhere. (laughs) And so they may be sitting at the computer all day. And while our clinicians have, on average, an 18-minute drive time in between patients, and that has been one of my goals is to keep our podcast between 15 and 18 minutes so they can listen to one whole episode in between a, a patient, the 
office work staff may not necessarily have that, but they do have the drive time. Their get to work and their get home from work drive time. So thinking about how do we reach those folks as well. And so while the clinical information may not be as pertinent to them, professional development, health and wellness, and other information and news from the executive leadership are, they love to hear from us on that as well. Yeah. And it's a high stress time for everyone. So I'm sure even if the unique equipment information or something like that doesn't pertain to them exactly, I'm sure they're still like super interested in hearing about that. I know, I know I would. So that's cool. And have you seen any, when you think about either production and listenership numbers, have you seen that throughout this time that has increased? I'm just curious now, especially now that you have that COVID-19 show. Indeed. Yes. So listenership does go up, especially when that gentleman that I told you about, when he's talking about COVID communications, everybody pretty much tunes in for that. But I think that we just want information right Right. now. And when you're getting clear, concise, compelling information that you can trust, then you're going to listen to that and you're going to, you're going to tune in to get that information, especially from your, your leadership. I wanted to ask you, just kind of build on that a little bit as, as you went into podcasting, since you did launch before corporate communications 2.0, the world we live in now, right? You obviously had some expectations, some goals that you had set out to achieve. And I know that those have probably all been reset, but as you continue to go on and launch new shows, I'm sure you begin to begin to gauge sort of what does it mean at the initial launch? And then maybe there's an initial dip, right? You get adoption and, and adoption and engagement being two very different metrics, but you get that adoption, you get that engagement early, it spikes. Probably falls off a little bit as people kind of, I don't know, maybe they had different expectations going into it, but then it starts to build again. And, and so that's something that you see over time. And I'm kind of curious how you view that. Maybe you could talk a little bit about how you kind of find these benchmarks within within the shows, even though there is sort of this very uh, sort of anomalous time that we're in. Maybe talk a little bit about how you as a program owner and ambassador within the company view that holistically and maybe also perhaps by by program. And that pattern that you talked about was true for us as well. That, and I didn't even know that other people experienced that, but looking back over the last 12 months since we started podcasting, that's exactly what's happened with us. We had the initial, wow, this is new. This is great. We're a podcasting company now. Oops, spike. And then, you know, as we are finding our legs as a podcasting team, putting together the shows and the content and the, the different podcast hosts, we saw a a little dip in listenership and then every big event that we had as a company, whether it was our, our national leadership conference, then we would get another spike. Or if we had all of our therapists in for something, there'd be a a spike because we talked about the podcast at those events. And then the holidays for us was a dip. And then coming out of the new year, I was having trouble getting traction again, trying to figure out, okay, what is it that they want to hear? Is it different content? Is it, did I publish too many channels all at once? We need to go back to one channel and then COVID hit. And then our listenership picked right back up. And so with this year of COVID, it's kind of hard for me to understand and and track, you know, what, what exactly is going on. I just know that we're going back up right now. And I'm hoping that we're building habits in our workforce that they're getting used to hear, you know, seeing that 
you have a new podcast that they can go and click that and start hearing from us and that we will build on this momentum because of COVID and keep that going in the future. And who knows, maybe this is the uptick. Maybe it would have happened anyway without COVID. Maybe we had just come to that point in our growth in podcasting as a company that we would that we were there. But let's I, I do hope that it just keeps going. Yes, I think that that's such an important thing because there's a variety of, of variables that are moving all at the same time, podcasting in a, in a corporate environment. And obviously there's the content component and content just getting better, shows getting better, the execution of that. And then there's obviously the technology wanting to use that, it being easy. But then there's this other interesting thing where you're talking about a technology that is also new, right? And so it's really difficult to find a comp to that. You know, you say, well, is the comp webinar? Is the comp email? Is the comp Zoom as we're on right now? Well, it might be, but it might be Zoom in its first year, right? Chat in its first year or second year of, of deployment, right? As people were building new habits, which you keyed on there. I'm curious, maybe you could talk a little bit about how you internally market the podcast program for clients brand new or those that have been with us for a little while, like yourself. What are some of the techniques that you've used that you thought have worked well? What are others that you thought, eh, I didn't really get much of a return on that? As a marketer myself, I'm always mm-hmm. interested internal marketing, external marketing. There's, there's sort of different ways to go uh, upon doing that. And I'm curious, what are the things that you found work? And maybe some of the things that you haven't. Yeah. So we have, I told you earlier, we're at an email company. And so we have a weekly blast email that goes out to everybody in the company. So advertising in there. So publishing content about, you know, what, what episodes are coming up this week, how to sign up for the podcast. So that has also been a challenge for people just learning how to, how to do that, but we're moving to an SSO platform. So that's going to be some, so much easier. That hasn't worked that great. Whereas having people who are Hey, did you hear about the podcast? Are you already on the podcast? And start texting each other, sharing episodes. That will spread it faster. You know, word of mouth is always the best marketing. One of the things that I'm excited about for the summer is we have some interns coming in. And one of the projects we're going to ask them to work on is this very thing, is to do an audience analysis of our podcast listeners. You know, who, who is listening? What are they listening to? How long? What do they want to hear more of? Less of? Who, who are they? And, you know, what are some of those roadblocks as well? And so thinking about that, that really jazzes me up too, because I want to know, I want that information so that we can do a better job of this. So I don't have a, a real tight answer for you on that, Neil. I know just emailing people doesn't always work. The blast, like when you're getting a information all at once, it's maybe information overload. I know word of mouth works. I know that individual emails work. Mentioning it from the stage at a big conference works. So I'm still figuring that one out. Well, I'd be happy to share that some of the feedback we've received from other clients and even partners who specifically focus on things like content production and what have you, not so different than someone who is selling XYZ testimonials, very big, where they'll get people who are in the listenership speaking on the value they got from it. And also, I think as you continue to build out these stories, because stories is really a consistent theme we see across so many different accounts. People, when they start to get featured, now there's this, to your point, what's in it for me, but there's this, this added sort of celebrity 
kind of component involved yeah. in it when your story mm-hmm. is featured. And so I think as that continues to blossom and expand, those are the types of things that the grassroots element that you can't necessarily manufacture, but you can certainly create a, the environment for it to flourish. And so I'm sure that some of those things we've seen work time and time again, and I'm, I'm sure those things will work in your environment as well. No, you're right. I think that room, that series that I did where I was interviewing the regional vice presidents from across the country. Oh yeah. Instant celebrityhood. That was, it was great. And to see the banter and just the camaraderie that came from that, I think that that also increased our listenership too. Great. Well, Heather, I know we're getting close to the hour here and you had a hard stop, but just to close off, I would love to hear any other advice you have for someone who is hosting basically all of the episodes yourself, just anything else you could come to maybe, maybe beginners who are scared to get started. If you have any, any final words about you and and your podcast program over at Encompass. Yeah, here's, here's my best advice. Get 10 podcasts, get 10 bad podcasts under your belt fast. (laughs) <laughs> get them out, get just, just record them, just do them. They're nothing, nothing's going to be perfect and you're going to get better as you go. So it's a, just jump, get out there, get them recorded, write out a script if you need it, but have your talking points, get used to the sound of your own voice. Like we all have to in the podcast world, but get those bad ones out of the way so you can get to the goal that's on the other side. Yes. No, that's me too. Um, practice makes perfect. Each, each one is gets a little less scary. So that's good advice. But yeah, thank you so much for, for joining us today. It was awesome to have you on. And I love hearing just about all the ways our customers are utilizing you studio, especially during this crazy time. I think what you guys are doing over at Encompass and the stories you are telling, just really inspiring. And it's really cool to learn about. So thank you. And, and thank everyone who who tuned in to listen today. As always, you can visit our website at ustudio.com to learn more about how our secure private podcasting solution can work for your business. So thanks again and hope everyone has a great day. Thank you, Heather. Thanks, y'all. My pleasure.